motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to be here with our guest today, Jane Christoffi. Jane is an educational strategist who helps students find their academic direction. She motivates tweens and teens to unleash their potential by helping them develop their learning and life skills and find their passions and strengths. Jane lives in Toronto, Canada with her Labradoodle and two teenagers and has been a teacher and guidance counselor for over 25 years. Jane founded Right Track Educational Services in 2012 and works closely with students and families virtually and in real life. She's a popular speaker on a variety of education and parenting topics, as well as a regular guest expert on national television news programs. Jane is the author of Launch Your Kid, How to Promote Your Child's Academic and Personal Success Without Being a Helicopter Parent. This book is jam-packed with no-nonsense tips for parents about how to get their kids through school and ready for the real world. Thank you so much for joining me, Jane. Thank you for having me, Tiana. So I wanted to start off because you and I have something in common in that, well, we're both moms and we've, we both work in the field of education. And I have really found that my motherhood work juggle has changed a lot with the ages and stages of our own kids. So our three now are 14, 12, and nine. And I found it an interesting journey to navigate wearing both a mom hat and a teacher hat with school-age kids. And I'm wondering what your motherhood work juggle and journey has been like as a parent and an educator over the years. Well, I definitely agree with you. It is hard to juggle the educator mom roles. I think our kids get annoyed by the teacher voice and anything to do with teaching. So as a rule, I've outsourced a bunch of stuff. I also try to model and uh, not directly teach a lot of the time because it can become like that Peanuts voice, you know, from the Peanuts cartoon, wah, 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 when mom is teaching again. Yeah, I feel for my kids sometimes having a teacher for a mom, but on the other hand, they're in, they're in good hands, I think. When I first became a mother, I stayed home. My, my husband and I at the time, I'm currently divorced, but we decided for the family's sake that we would have me stay home. And it was a decision I never looked back on, and I loved every minute of it for the first while. When my kids were school-aged, I started going back into the system on a part-time basis. All the while, I was very hands-on and engaged with my family as well as in my community as a volunteer, doing things like Girl Scouts and 
running recreation programs up north at the cottage. And then I started my side hustle, which eventually came my full-time business, which I'm really ramping up in the last few years, Right Track Educational Services. So it's been an evolution. I started out really wanting to be home with my kids and supporting them and being involved in their lives at school. And then slowly I dipped back in and I went from educator in the classroom to entrepreneur. So it's really exciting. I love it. That is very exciting. And I'm curious, what ages of kids or what grades were you teaching as a teacher? I taught middle school primarily. I am a guidance counselor by training. So I've worked with kids K to eight all through. I probably taught grade eight most of the time. And it's my area of real passion. I love working with middle school kids. And they're a bit of a nightmare and a big hot mess in a lot of cases, but I really love them. I just think it's so exciting to witness them figuring out who they are, you know, making tons of mistakes and just struggling. So awkward, <laughs> but it's, I just love it. That's actually where I started my teaching career was teaching junior high. And yep. so it was grade seven to nine. And I was very afraid because in my mind, I wanted to start out teaching high school, mm-hmm. but it ended up being fantastic. And just as you said, that that age of students, they just need you in such a unique mm-hmm. and different way. Yeah, And it was three of my favorite years teaching, although in the back of my mind, I taught junior high prior to becoming a mom. I did fear for becoming a mom and having children of my own that age that wouldn't be going home at the end of the day sometimes. But now having one teenager and two children in junior high, so far so good, Mm -hmm. we're doing okay. So Good. I'm glad to hear that. No, I love teenagers. Yeah. I have, my daughter's almost 19 and my son is almost 17. And uh, I think I've loved every stage. There's been hard patches here and there, but they're temporary. And you look back and you sort of laugh at them, but they're hard at the time. Yes. And it's just that. And I think that perspective really comes along more clearly as you kind of go through your motherhood journey. You're right. In the moment, that stage can feel very long and difficult, Mm -hmm. but every stage has its wonderful, amazing moments. And then those tricky pieces Mm -hmm. there as well. But yeah, it's been fun and it's been interesting getting to know them even more as their own people and as they're sort of sorting through things and figuring out who who they are and what they would like to do. It's quite Mm -hmm. exciting. And I'm also curious, because you said that what started as a side hustle has now become your full-time job. Mm -hmm. So what led you to start Right Track Educational Services? Well, okay, so I was looking for a way to get out of the rigid school calendar as a teacher. You know, many people will roll their eyes at that because teachers have holidays compared to other professions and, and, and jobs. We have a lot of them. I wanted to get out of that schedule and call my own shots, but I also had so many people in my community and my network who were constantly asking me questions. Should I send my child to the private school around the corner? Should my should I choose gifted? Or my child was tested gifted. What does that mean? What should I do with this? French immersion or not? All kinds of decisions because there's lots of options out there. And I also had a number of people who would contact me in a panic because something had gone wrong at school and they needed you know, advice. And so I saw a business opportunity and I jumped on it and I just slowly started consulting with families. At first I called it SOS, like that was one of my services. And then I started building it up with some test support and 
application support for getting into specialized schools or independent schools. And um, as a guidance counselor, I have career counseling training and experience. So I have now moved into the post-secondary pathways area. So I'm doing sort of pre-K all the way through to post-sec, and I love it. And I've since written a book on all the stuff that people have really been desperately coming to me with, you know, their concerns. So I'm, I, I've put it together in some pages with some responses. About well, what to do. and I cannot wait to read your book <laughs> well, because you. it, it is so relevant to all the things that we're going through right now. And you're so right as someone in education, people do come with a lot of questions and yeah. there are a lot of decisions and some of them quite significant that yeah. as parents, we're helping our children make or we're making for our kids and that along the way having to do with education and learning. Yes. And Tiana, you might relate on this, but I would find many of the concerns and questions, I, I would sort of think, oh, that's an interesting question because we take it for granted as educators, some of the things that we get asked about, but it's what we do as professionals. So that's why we know how to do it without even thinking twice. But, you know, just even helping our kids with homework or time management tips, things like that, they just kind of come. And uh, I've never really worried about it, but I'm certainly delighted to help people who ask me for support on those Absolutely. topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're obviously juggling a lot. And I love that, you know, the rigidity of the teaching schedule was something that wasn't well aligned with your juggle. And, and I have to say, I, that was the same thing for me. I just found it very hard not having that flexibility mm-hmm. was tricky. And my husband working in education himself as a principal also lacks that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so in combination, it just wasn't a good fit for me. I know it works for other moms, but it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't in alignment for my myself either. But what I would love to hear from you are what some of the strategies, tools, and resources, what are some things that have helped you with your own motherhood work juggle along the way? Well, I think at the very beginning when I wasn't, when I was at home with the kids, when they were little before school, very, from the very beginning, I, well, we established expectations sort of around quiet time. So when my daughter stopped napping, she's my firstborn, when she stopped napping, that was the end of quiet time in the house. What we did with her was we said, it's quiet time. And instead of having a nap, you're in your room. And we laid, we laid out expectations of what one to two hours would look like for her. And, you know, lots of educational toys and activities and so on in her room. And it did take a lot of work to establish the routine. So when my son would nap, she would go for quiet time and we would have a nap too, or we would take a break or do whatever we needed to do. But it was a family routine it became very regular. And so just setting the expectation in advance, consistently almost enforcing them or encouraging them, this was a really effective strategy over the long term because my kids have become independent at home. Like they are good at spending time on their own in their rooms and reading and doing things. So everybody kind of has a break. There's not a demand on mom all the time, or there wasn't always a demand on me because you really do go crazy if you don't have a break. And so just sort of teaching the kids from day one that, so that was a great strategy that paid off over the years. And it was hard work at the time to establish, but other things just Time management is a really big thing in our house. I've got a big calendar in the kitchen and everybody's stuff is on it. And we talk about what's coming up and we plan backwards 
for whatever events are coming or deadlines, even if it's getting out the door in the morning. We plan backwards for what could come up. Daily to-do lists are big too, so those are strategies. I've always had my kids packing their own bags. Like even when we skied, when they were little, we would go skiing, they'd pack their own backpacks with their ski stuff. Like that's a lot of things to remember. You forget one mitt, you're going to be cold, right? (laughs) And so just expectations around that. I think for support... I've always reached out to the mom groups in my community. I've been a big reader online. I'm dialed into communities online of moms and working moms. I love reading articles from the bloggers. And I ask for support from my friends and my family, my own mom. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all fantastic strategies and ideas. And, and I love that you've mentioned you know, asking for that help. Cause mm-hmm. I think that can be a tough one. I know as a mom of one, so with our first child, I found it quite hard actually to ask for help. And even when it was offered for whatever reason, I was reluctant mm-hmm. to take the help. And that definitely changed as we had more kids, but mm-hmm. I kind of wonder why I sort of felt this need to do it all myself or show that I could manage things myself, but it really creates the sense of connection and community. And it's just great for overall health and well-being actually mm-hmm. to accept that help and mm-hmm. ask for the help that's needed. So it is hard to, to accept it, but I think once you do, you realize like a light bulb goes off, you realize what have I been waiting for? But I almost wonder if we've been conditioned as women to do it all on our own or to think that we should, or that there's something wrong with with accepting the help. With my mom groups, I still see these ladies. Like I was with them breastfeeding in the church basements and now we're going out for, not right now during COVID, but we're actually, we have a Zoom cocktail hour coming up this week and we all have teenagers. So it's really fun. I totally recommend that to other women. Yes, those connections are so, so important. Yes, and so we are in these interesting COVID times Mm -hmm. and One of the things that I found, so even as a teacher, and then even with my husband being a principal, I found navigating our recent experience with home-based learning quite challenging with our three kids. There was just some challenges in getting settled and into a routine. And I found a little bit when our kids got frustrated that some of the reactions that they have, they may not have shown to their own classroom teachers. And it was a little bit, we had our ups and downs, that's for sure. So I'm wondering what advice would you give parents to effectively, just in general, help their kids with their schoolwork and to avoid the arguing while doing this. And then at the same time, avoiding being that helicopter parent. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I have suggestions for non-COVID times. Um, They're a lot more straightforward than the ones during COVID. I think during COVID, we all just need to give ourselves permission to be frustrated and and know that this too shall pass, but it's really hard for everyone involved. As a rule with COVID, I would say, you know, make sure everybody's got their own private workspace and have the kids be very involved in setting up their own schedules and routines so that they feel that they have control over something. As for helping your kids in general, so during a non-COVID time, I would say, you know, right off the bat, if your child is struggling with something, you make the decision to either help them yourself or to outsource. So that's the first decision. And outsourcing 
is a reality of the 21st century. Everybody's busy and there's lots of activities in the schedule. Maybe both parents are working. So time is tight and parents aren't the expert in everything. I'm not. I'm an educator. You're an educator. We're not the expert in everything. There's better people out there. So you make the decision to, to outsource, preserve the relationship with your child because we are annoying as parents when it comes to schoolwork. Getting back to that peanuts voice, they don't want to hear about it about school from us. And one thing about school is that's our children's life. Like it's theirs. We're not there. They run the show there and it's really none of our business a lot of the time. So we have to respect some boundaries around their life at school. So if we do decide to get involved, there's guidelines for tutoring kids. And, and first of all, I think the most important is to enter the session with respect and manners, knowing that this is their life and, and their space. The second piece would be to understand the context of what the assignment is or the activity, because parents can make it bigger sometimes. And they can say, well, why don't you already know the basics for this? And so get clear on what it is that they're asking or they need help with and what the assignment is asking. And then maybe with the child, you set expectations about how long you're going to work that night and that nobody's allowed to raise a voice, that type of thing. So just get, make sure you're in a good headspace too. But I would say make that decision right off the bat, outsource or not, and be okay with outsourcing. Just don't outsource everything. Balance is key for sure. <laughs> During COVID, my heart goes out to the moms with multiple kids who are, who, who are younger. It's really hard. I can't even imagine how hard it is um, for the moms trying to juggle everything and make sure that yeah. their kids are learning. Yeah, it's it's put a, a lot of pressure, I think, particularly on moms, I, yes. it seems. So I don't want a blanket statement, but I, I think it's Im- impacted women in, in a big way for sure. But I sure appreciate the strategies and suggestions that you've offered. And I, I really like the intentionality behind it. It's like you can kind of go in with a bit of a plan and then make mm-hmm. that plan together with your child. And, and perhaps in the case of I'm envisioning for myself in the near future, high school math, I feel that mm-hmm. outsourcing yes, may be a good absolutely. option for that. Absolutely. <laughs> and with yes. the helicopter piece, you know, a helicopter parent is, is the parent who just swoops in and does everything, takes over, makes decisions and saves the day whenever there's a problem. Sometimes just leaving your child to figure it out on his or her own is the best thing to do. And if they fall on their face, that's maybe the best thing that can happen. The sooner that happens, the better, because they're going to have that happen in real life. So why don't you just let them go through that experience under your roof? It's painful. It's very hard to step back. And, and let them sort through challenges. But it's a really, really important thing to do for their long-term development and mental health. And that actually leads really nicely into my next question, because as parents, obviously it can be so tough to see our children struggle Mm -hmm. and have those really tough times with things. So what else would you suggest for parents in terms of helping their kids to become more resilient? Okay, so resilience is the capacity to rise above setbacks and failures and to move forward with confidence and a positive outlook. In a nutshell, it's buoyancy. So picture a beach ball and you're pushing it below the water surface and it's bouncing back up. That's what we want 
for our kids. We want them to have this ability uh, to bounce back. So as parents, just as I was touching on, you know, if the kids are having struggles in school or maybe if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing at school, let them face the consequence. Let them deal with the struggle or failure. Normalize failure and struggle in your own life. Model your struggle. Show them that it's part of life and through it, we grow. So I would say modeling would be, would be excellent. When, when we as parents have struggles, don't hide it. Let them see it. With them, step back, zip it up, like just leave them to sort out their problems and try not to swoop in. I would also say be, be a good listener, like listen to their problems, but don't solve them. If they don't get invited to that birthday party, don't call the mom and say, why isn't my kid invited? That's a life experience and it's an important thing to learn how to deal with. You know, if there's a rotten mark or if a kid gets cut from the team, that's a life experience. That's a failure, but we can bounce back from it. And if mom gets involved, she's not helping at all. She's actually making things worse. So listen well, support the kids, talk to them. And I would say that providing opportunities for responsibility is really important. We want to give our kids chores so that they are taking responsibility at home. And with responsibility, they will become more independent. And independence, we want them to grow those wings and be ready for the world. Absolutely. As much as I want my kids to come over and have dinners with us and do things together, I mean, we want our kids to be successful in whatever way that means to them, independent adults. That would be, that would be a a great thing. So, and obviously we're wanting to support them and to ultimately prepare them for the future. And I think this relates well to your book. So I would love to hear more about that as well. What kinds of skills do our kids need these days for the 20th century and for the changing world that we're in? And how can parents help their kids develop some of these skills? Okay, so 21st century skills are, I mean, the skills that we really need to nurture for our kids are for a world that we didn't enter into. It's a world they're entering into uh, when the time comes. And to be blunt, we don't know what jobs are going to be out there, what schedules are going to look like, what compensation will look like. It's a really changing world. And so we have to prepare our kids for the unknown. In the past, there was a lot of emphasis on what's called what are called hard factors. So things that can be measured and evaluated like test scores or specific skills like accounting or nursing. So those hard factors are still very important, but the, the soft factors or the soft skills are really important too. So those would be things like grit. So grit is a combination of passion and perseverance and Angela Duckworth, she's a PhD psychologist, she, came, she wrote a great book a handful of years ago about grit. And it's just, you know, it's that student that never gives up, that's always trying to reach her goal because it means the world to her. That is a student who has grit, the one who's always getting that um, award at assemblies for most improved or the student who, I'm trying to think of the word, but basically the kid who never gives up. Another one would be growth mindset. So this is Carol Dweck's genius. She wrote a book about it recently as well. That's the idea that one's ability is not fixed. So with effort and continued effort and determination, 
you can achieve anything. So you're not not good at math. Anybody can be good at math. And then the six C's, the six C's would incorporate things like communication skills, creativity, caring and compassion, citizenship, collaboration. You need to think about how our world is going to work in coming years and how important those six C's are. So how can we help our kids develop these skills at home? We set expectations of their behavior and their choices, and we model our own soft skills. We teach them empathy, try to see things from other people's um, perspective, and always listening as well to what they're going through. That listening piece, I think, is so important. And there's been a couple times I've caught myself And I'm thinking, I'm talking way too much. And I I find just being conscious of that and stopping and just really focusing on talking less, listening more makes such a difference, especially, especially I'm finding in these teenage years that I'm entering in general, but especially now I find the more that I just listen, Mm -hmm. the better. Yeah. Yeah. And a good question to ask while the listening is taking place is, what do you think you should do? The critical thinking piece. So you want to get your child to look at it, look at situations and problems and figure it out on their own with your support. You're there as as mom and unconditional, but you trust in them. You believe that they can come up with the answers that they need. Yeah. And in that regard, you're acting like, a mentor or a guide versus Mm -hmm. the knower of all things. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I I do really like that. And I actually, I remember my dad growing up had this famous line. He had many, but one was who owns the problem. And a piece of thought was, you know, in so many ways, actually in hindsight, we got to make a lot of our own decisions. And then we also then needed to own the consequence of that. And it could be a positive consequence Mm -hmm. or it might not be what we were hoping. But I found that quite empowering, at times frustrating because I just Mm -hmm. wanted somebody else to make the decision for me. But, you know, in the long term, that was a really good thing. And obviously I haven't forgotten that message Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm. had for us. It's amazing how our dad's lessons, I have a couple of them in my brain that come up every day. They really get through to us. My dad always said, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I say that all the time to my kids because self-advocacy, that's another um, important skill for the 21st century for our kids. It's the hardest one to nurture in them, to bring out their voice. It's so hard. And once they do have success from an effort of speaking up, and some of them are just so shy and scared to speak up. They think it's awkward, mom. It's awkward. So awkward. Then they want to do it all the time because they realize how easy it is. But getting started is difficult. And so I'm always pounding that one. If you don't ask, yes. you don't get. <laughs> yes. You know, if they need more time on an assignment and they want me to email the teacher. No, absolutely no. never. <laughs> No, I'm sure you need to go and have Mm -hmm. that conversation and you need to ask that question. That is not up to me. You're not the norm. (laughs) Most parents are the ones sending that email. Yeah, it it does happen, especially, yeah, having having been in education, I did get a few of those emails for sure. But I think it's such a great skill to be able to go in and to do that and to speak up and to say what you're needing. Mm -hmm. You know, may it be more time or some extra help or 
really anything at all. And, mm-hmm. and you're right, with practice, you become much more confident in yep. that for and sure. And even just outlining what your goals are with your teacher. You know, this year I really want to get over 90 on X. And the teacher is going to be, it's on the radar. Every teacher wants to help every student for sure. But if there's something on the radar like that, you've got an ally who's going to help you make it happen. And this is another message I try to give my kids. So, and my students with the, the, my clients. Yeah, no, that is such an important message. Absolutely. So Jane, something I wanted to ask you because, you know, in the part-time jungle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And, you know, sometimes we look on social media and everything just seems to be so perfect with what we see. Mm -hmm. But obviously there are so many ups and downs that we all experience along the way. And I'm wondering if you have a mommy mess up that you'd be willing to share with us. So maybe it's a mistake, something you wished you had done differently, or just a learning opportunity or experience you've had along the way being a mom. So mine is sort of a bigger picture thing as opposed to an event, like something that that went wrong. I would say in hindsight, because I think I'm further along as a mom than some of your listeners. When I first started out, I was, I really, my identity was really wrapped around motherhood, almost to the point of losing my identity in some of the other areas of my life. And I, I really embraced it. I jumped in with two feet and I, I loved being home with my kids for the time. I have no regrets, but I do feel, you know, life took a turn that was unexpected in, for me. I, my marriage ended. And when that happened, it was a struggle because so much of my identity was wrapped around being a mom. And what I've learned in, in the time since then is that being a mother is part of who I am. There's so many parts of me. It's a really big part of me. And it will always be a big part of me, but it's not everything. And so I think if I were to do it again, I would have a more balanced outlook or perspective on that role in my life. Certainly, I have no regrets of my career and so on. So, Yeah. No, I think that is so true. It's it's easy to lose ourselves, like those other pieces, as you were saying, when we become moms. It's just such a huge life change in so many ways. I remember when our you know, in becoming a mom, even things like, how am I going to get groceries again? Yes. Or how am I going to, you know, fill in the blank with so many things and, and just navigating the, this new world where everything was different. And it's so easy to lose sight of those important pieces of who you are and really to nurture them and take care of them. Because ultimately, I, I find that when I do, it makes me a better mom to my kids. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, and Jane, you've shared so many wonderful insights with us today, but before we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles? Well, I guess the the last thing that I would say is something that people say all the time to moms, the days are long, but the years are short. And try to enjoy every single day because before you know it, you've got a kid living in residence, six-hour drive, and that's my daughter. She's, she's away at university living in residence, and my son's not far behind. But I think that 
it's so exciting. Every, every part of it is exciting. And with, with motherhood, it does change over the years and then you're needed less, you know, my, with my kids away, but I'm still needed. It, it's not going to end. It's just going to change. And then when they do move on to their next phases, what is life going to be for mom? So that is something that I hope your listeners will consider and, and be aware of the big picture. It's not, it's 18 years. You've got these kids at home. They go by in a snap and then it changes for a while. And they may move back or whatever, but that 18-year style of parenting is over. So I would say prepare mentally for the chapter three. I call it chapter three. If chapter one in my life was the time I was on my own and becoming me, and then chapter two was when I had a family, chapter three would be when my family's launched and it's kind of about me again. So be prepared for that phase and it's exciting and just make sure that when the time comes, it's not a shock because I think for some moms, they're not ready for it. Yeah, it is another big transition and definitely good to have some foresight about that as well. And Jane, I wanted you just briefly, could you tell us a little bit more about your book, which I know is officially coming out in January, 2021. Maybe just if you could give us a quick synopsis or some some key takeaways from your book I'm so excited to to take a read well thank you for asking Tiana so the book is called launch your kid and it's how to promote your child's academic and personal success without being a helicopter parent so basically I put the book together based on feedback that I've collected over years of running presentations written feedback that people would respond to my question what keeps you up at night So it was also anecdotal discussions that I would have with clients and parents, people in my network, things that people were really scared about. So, you know, getting their kid off to school or what do I do with my child? She doesn't, she's totally unmotivated. My child has no interest. She's always on the social media, you know, this type of thing. So it's basically a no-nonsense discussion about how parents can promote their kids' academic and personal skills at home. And you don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to be a social worker or a psychologist. You just need to be you. And here are some really easy tips and strategies to minimize the feelings of overwhelm and worry. I also go into depth about what are the learning and life skills that kids need to arrive and thrive in the 21st century. And I just remind throughout how easy it is for parents to do a little bit every day to support their kids to the goal of launching them. So that's it. I love it. And I love that word launch. I love that idea of launching. That's just fantastic. Thank you so much, Jane, for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the amazing work that you do, where are the best places to find you? I'm on Instagram at Jane underscore right underscore track. I'm on LinkedIn, Jane Christoffi, and I have a website, righttrackeducation.ca. I'm also putting together a uh, library of really interesting interviews on YouTube. It's called Career Stories. And my target audience is high school kids who are trying to figure out their way. And um, I'm interviewing people from all walks of life and career pursuits. And they're talking about why they love their work, how they got there, what advice they would give to young people to get into that field. So that's another interesting thing that I'm kind of working on. So those are some places to find me and I hope to hear from some of your uh, listeners. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much. And I will be sharing for sure your career stories <laughs> project with our eldest. Oh, good. So I'm excited for that. Thank you so much for joining us, Jane. It was great to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me. Really nice to meet you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.